0: It's Thursday, October 9th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in studio today for Million Dollar Portfolio and MDP Deep Value. Ron Gross. How you doing? I'm good man. Good. And thank you for once again returning. Always a pleasure to be it's here. It's a rare it's a rare occasion we get Ron Gross. Uh, Whatever I can fit it in, I'm happy to do so. <laughs> Uh, well, we got stuff that's right up your alley. So that's why I wanted you in the studio today. We'll talk Costco, which I know is one of your favorite companies. We'll dip into the full mailbag. Let's start, though, with Apple and Carl Icahn, the billionaire activist investor. With
1: his Dear Tim letter, his open letter.
0: <laughs> to, he,
1: God forbid he would ever do anything like this in private. Yeah. Maybe set up a meeting, yeah, take no, Tim to lunch. No,
0: that's not that's not Carl Icahn style. No, and
1: it's not like he's waging a proxy contest <laughs> or he has a 13-D filing where he has to make these things public. He's he's using the media to his benefit, um, and he makes some interesting uh I mean, I guess, I guess the headline of the letter
0: is take that – 133 billion dollars you've got in cash on the balance sheet and start buying back stock and the phrase that pays is in terms of shares is a lot more and sooner. Um and right. and and then he goes on to make the case for why this is a stock that he believes is worth $200 a share as opposed to the 100 or 101 right. that's okay, trading at so today.
1: let's take those two things one at a time. Okay. Apple obviously is in the process of returning um quite a bit of money, $70 billion and, and going up um, over the last couple of years, uh, returning capital to shareholders, um, which was Carl Icahn's suggestion You know, for a while now. He just wants more, as you said, and he thinks they should do it through a tender offer. He doesn't get into specifics about how much or at what price. Um, but he says, logically, if you believe the stock is worth double where it is now, then you would certainly want to buy a back stock, probably as much as you possibly could. I think the flaw, quite frankly, is in that $200 valuation. I think, although his letter is is pretty detailed and goes through a lot of different assumptions, um, in the end he ends up taking his estimate of next year's earnings and slapping a 19 multiple on it to get $203. I think that makes uh, some assumptions that aren't warranted. It, it, it assumes that growth will continue at these high levels for quite some time. Um, I don't think um, that's an appropriate way to look at the stock. I think it's undervalued, quite frankly. It's a buy. We own it. It's one of our largest positions. I think at this price, $100, 10 to 20% undervalued, Not, not a double. Yeah, let's be clear. This is a stock
0: that year-to-date has already risen 25%. That's triple what the market has done in that same time frame. And, yeah, to your point about the projections he makes, they are... They are
1: rosy. They're the, big. He the, loves the watch. He loves the phone. He loves the he watch loves the, at, the TV that hasn't even been come out yet. He loves the watch,
0: and he loves the watch at a price point that assumes that it's not going to come down. When everything we know about technology and gadgets, everything we've seen over the last fifty years says the price of technology comes down. So the idea that Apple is going to sell a watch. For four hundred fifty, five hundred bucks
1: a pop, three years from now, right? So, but but you know, I do like the stock, and I do think there's growth here. Um, but it's a very big company that already has some some nice assumptions built into it. As you said, it's it is up nicely. Probably this time last year, we were calling it a value investment because hedge funds had soured on it and gotten rid of it. Um, but it's really done well since then. Um, I think it's a mistake to think it can double from here.
0: For the average. Investor who owns shares of Apple, how should they view Carl Icahn? Is is he a value add? Are you happy that he's involved? Are you happy that he owns fifty three million shares, or are you? Is it new? To, I, I'm just wondering because let let's be clear. Yeah, one thing we know about the future, Carl Icahn he, he's not going away. He's not. This is not the last time he's going to write an open Dear Tim Lev letter
1: or agitate on behalf of the shares that he owns. Right. So, as as you know, I used to be an activist investor back, back in my hedge fund days, and um, I've got some strong opinions on them. I think they do a lot of good um, in terms of making companies, forcing companies to operate more efficiently, and holding the board of directors responsible um, for uh, efficiently operating companies. But I prefer when an activist really gets involved. Maybe Dean wants to get on the board, wants to own stock for a very long period of time, wants to get involved operationally. These open letters don't sit really the same way with me, and I don't love them. Having said that, Karolikhan does have a very strong track record. Um, If you were to kind of ride his coattails um, time in and time out, you probably would end up doing pretty well. The market is down a little bit this morning, but shares of Costco are hitting a new
0: all-time high. Uh, fourth quarter results came in yesterday. Uh, you tell me is there is there anything bad? <laughs> I don't see anything bad. Is there anything bad? Profits came in better than expected. They closed the year, opening up 30 new stores, more than half of which were outside the United States. Yeah, they and- got they got they have plans to open another 35 in the next fiscal year. I mean, they're just. They're
1: really getting it done. They're getting it done, and it's in an environment where we're constantly talking about how retailers are struggling. Um, They are clearly not one of them, they're doing really well. Seven um, percent comp store sales that 's really strong um, most importantly they're they 're keeping their retention numbers up remember it 's a member based model here eighty to eighty five percent of their operating income is based on those membership fees, not based on the fact that we go in there and we buy you know a hundred rolls of toilet paper per, at, at a time eighty seven percent retention very strong. They're able to put those operating profits right into their pocket year after year after year, as long as they keep people happy and they keep people renewing.
0: Morgan Housel and I talked yesterday about uh, the oil industry, and in particular, the, the U.S. exporting oil for the first time in nearly 40 years. Uh, price of gas is is down with the dollar being strong. And I'm wondering, to what extent, should Costco shareholders or prospective shareholders be concerned about that? Because that is part of how they make their money. Um, And I'm just wondering, is it a significant enough part that a quarter
1: from now we should expect them to say, eh, we had a little bit of weakness there? I don't think it's important enough where it can change the thesis or change the business model. It's, It's interesting to watch. And, in fact, the company reports its comp store sales two ways. Um, straight up, including foreign currency and gas, and then excluding foreign currency and gas. So analysts and investors can look at the business um, in in both ways. So they obviously think there's something to it and it can move the needle on a quarter to quarter by basis by one or two percent from a same store sales perspective. I don't think it's a reason why you would either want to own the stock or not want to own the stock.
0: What about the fact that it's at an all time high. Is it is, is it is it pricey?
1: Um it's not as cheap as it used to be. We just raised our valuation. We, it stocks let's call it one twenty eight-ish right yeah. now. We would probably be looking to sell or seriously reevaluate at around one hundred fifty. That probably means it's somewhat it's a it, it can beat the market at this price. Um but it isn't as cheap as it used to be. Um it has some upside. And the risk is quite low. So you have probably a market-beating stock with low risk.
0: It really is pretty interesting that they are succeeding at a time when the average retailer is not. And in particular, Costco, for whatever reason, is is one of those retailers that I, I never include in my thinking about the holidays. I just, and, and maybe that's misguided on my part, but I just look at Costco as – well, they're not as dependent on holiday shopping as others. Or am I wrong on that?
1: Well, they are, they're They're ramping up a bit. They, they did some promotions to get members in the door in advance of the holiday season because the more members you have on board through that season, the better off you'll be. So they do think about it. Um, but I agree with you. It's not one where I say, okay, this is a retailer. It's dependent on that fourth they gotta quarter. they got to crush it. They're going to crush it or, or we're in trouble here. It's, it's a much more steady business.
0: Radio at Fool.com is our email address. Got an email from Jay Winsler. I hear you guys throwing around multiples from time to time, referencing if a stock price is overheating, undervalued, etc. Can you recommend a resource cheat sheet that lays out some of the typical multiples used, what they mean, and how to calculate them? Thanks.
1: So, there, there's obviously, with the internet, there's tons of reference uh, points you can go to. Um, I will say, before I give you a couple of places to look... Um, I think multiples are are interesting and useful, but you have to be careful because because they're a kind of quick and dirty method of looking at valuation. You can make a quick and dirty mistake too, <laughs> um, and sometimes you know people use them. Too easily, uh, people don't understand that. Like for example, earlier we said Carl Icahn slapped a 19 multiple on Apple's earnings. What does that mean? 19 implies something. It implies growth rates in the future. It implies interest rates. It implies the risk-free rate. There's a lot of assumptions that go into coming up with a multiple. So it's important to understand that if you want something quick, you also have to to understand that you might be you know being a little short-sighted. Having said that if you just google valuation multiples um the first two things i think that will come up is wikipedia It's probably i think the second and they actually it's a really good cheat sheet um they they hit the highlights of the big ones the pe's the ev the yep. ebitda's um price to book value all the main ones with explanations how to calculate it um another resource i, I came upon um is a company called macabacus.com m a M-A-C-A, c a B-A-C-U-S dot com and they also have a great cheat sheet. They hit all the major multiples, teach you how to um, calculate them, tell you what they mean and um, I think it's a great reference. One more time with that website? Macabacus dot (laughs) com. Uh,
0: Also, probably worth pointing out that depending on what industry you're looking at, depending on what type of business you're evaluating, some multiples are more important than others.
1: Exactly. exactly. Uh, Insurance or money management, I would be looking at book value multiples. Um, A regular, more traditional manufacturing business, I would be looking at a cash flow based multiple like an EBITDA multiple or a free cash flow multiple. It, It just depends.
0: Got an email from Jared Ellis, self-identified as listener number three. Wow. Listener (laughs) number three? We have that many? That's going back to (laughs) We got dozens. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm wondering if you could find out from Ron Gross why Titan International has grossly underperformed—is
1: grossly a play on my name, or is it, it a? It was in it
0: was in quotation, so maybe it was. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Um, is it still considered a deep value with a price target of around thirty five dollars? Twenty five, I believe he said. Twenty five. I'm sorry. Thanks for any insight. Love the show. That you're right. He did. He did say twenty five. All um, right. So, um, so
1: Titan International. First, the business. This is. Tires, right? Tires and wheels, um, big tires and wheels for industrial applications, construction, agriculture, mining.
0: And this is part
1: of, was this a stock in uh, Motley Fool? This is a uh, current, a current recommendation in our Deep Value service. Um, deep Value, just to give an overview, we're looking for really cheap stocks. Um, with Strong balance sheets, so downside is limited, but... Um, stock prices that incorporate really zero growth moving into the future, where we get all growth for free, um, really cheap stocks, often smaller micro-cap. And Titan International
0: so, down about 15% this week.
1: Titan International down 15% this week, down 40% since we've purchased it. Um, it's a large position for us. Uh, I just lowered my valuation this week from 25, as you mentioned, to 22, um, but it's at 10 now. So, theoretically... Um, I'm looking for a double or more from here. What's going on is that the thesis is that the agricultural, mining, and construction industry, for that that matter, all had pockets of weakness. There was an oversupply of wheels to some of these markets. And and that hurts business. Um, The thesis was that wouldn't last forever. The oversupply would burn off. When it does, profitability will return. Stock price will go up. I still believe firmly that that is the case. It's just taking much longer than I anticipated. And in fact, things have gotten worse um, within the last year or so in some of those industries. However, the thesis remains. It's just a matter of timing. I wish their balance sheet was a little bit stronger so they could wait it out as long as necessary. I think they still can, but it does make me a little bit nervous um, from a liquidity perspective. But uh, I think this this remains a very strong deep value opportunity.
0: I know we like to run the numbers on businesses, but also look at the management, look at who are the people who are running these businesses. I'm curious, when you are looking at candidates in the universe of deep value, some of these micro-cap stocks, does management become even more important, or is it just as important as any other investment you would evaluate?
1: It is is is. It's very important. Um, What we often see in a lot of these companies is that they're family-owned or family-run, and insiders own a very large chunk of the company, sometimes enough to really control the company um, from a voting perspective. That raises certain risks, because if you're identifying things that are not going well, and that typically is the case with the deep value because the stock's down for a reason. Something's not going right. You want to have confidence that the people at the helm can turn the business. And if they have complete control, an activist can't do anything about it, the board probably is probably not doesn't have too much control. There could be a problem there. So we want to make sure we really respect who's at at the helms of these companies, because you know, they're going to be the ones that, that correct whatever short term problem exists.
0: How are the tires on your car?
1: <laughs> Fine. They're not the large industrial type.
0: I'm just, you know, just wondering. I want to make sure you're safe on the road. At, I didn't I didn't know if you've had them rotated
1: recently or something all well like good. It. I did have a um, a nail in my tire recently. So, did you? Yes, just a month ago.
0: Wait, did, did, did you discover, like, you go out to the your car? The car, and... you know, they're
1: all computerized now. It said to me, you have a, a flat tire. I was like, oh, thank you for telling me. I took it into the shop, and lo and behold, there was a nail.
0: By the way, is there... Is it just universal that when you're looking to buy tires, anywhere you go, they're going to do the whole, oh, you buy three tires and you get the fourth for a dollar? <laughs> funny. Funny.
1: you had. I said, do I have to buy two? Because I always heard that you can't buy one. You have to balance. Yeah. And they said, no, you're good with just one. So oh, okay. they, they were they were good. But did they
0: have the offer, offer of, well, look, if you, if, no. you want, if you want to replace them all. <laughs> it was all good. It's a
1: relatively new car. I didn't need all the...
0: Uh, before we wrap up, let me mention, uh, y- you can subscribe to Million Dollar Portfolio or MDP Deep Value. Uh, but if you're not a member of any of our services and you want to get started, the best way to do that is with Motley Fool Stock Advisor. It's our flagship service. And we've got a special offer you can check out just by going to marketfoolery.fool.com. That's marketfoolery.fool.com. Great way to get started investing. So check it out. Thanks for being here, my friend. Always a pleasure. Good luck to your fantasy team this weekend. You too. The New York Blur. You got it. Such a great name. <laughs> Thank you. My team, as listeners know, needs all the help it can get. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against sit-up, buy-or-sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Hill. We'll see you on Monday.